0: Alright, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Adelix? What's happening? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. If you're new here, uh, I don't know, just hang out, uh, listen. You can uh, you can talk if you want. Uh, I welcome that. Yeah, anything you want to say during this broadcast, feel free. Feel free to engage like you want to try it? What's going on? How okay? So uh, are you excited about uh, that thing you got going? Oh, that's good. Did that? Did that other thing work out? Oh ah. well, you know, you try again, right? You don't have to, you know, put all your eggs in one basket. How about uh, how's your friend doing? Did that? Uh, did that uh, resolve itself? Oh, that's cool. All right. Did you get uh, that thing done? Uh, for the car? Okay. How about for the bike? Did you get that thing done for the bike? Did you renew that thing? All right. Good. See how this works? That's that's the only time we're going to have that conversation. But if it initiates anything, it's a dialogue. And that's really what we're trying to do here is initiate a dialogue. Holy shit. What an insane uh, 24 hours it's been. I can't even begin to tell you. Actually, the last few days, I don't think I've talked to you, what, since Monday and I recorded that on Sundays before the Golden Globes. And I just want you to know, you know, right out of the gate here, because I didn't really talk about it uh, before, that um, I, I didn't go and I boycotted the Golden Globes. I was not going to go to that. And I didn't allow them uh, to nominate me either. You know, I put my foot down. I mean, I didn't tell anybody, but I, I said to myself, one, I'm not going to the Golden Globes. And two, don't even think about nominating My special from bleak to dark, which was arguably and I'm not one to toot my own horn in this particular way. Arguably the best special of 2023. But I I don't want you to even think about nominating it. So so that that came to pass. They took me to heart and I didn't go. I didn't even watch it in real time. But, you know, after all this flack that Joe Coy got, it was like, what the fuck could have happened? I mean, I know Joe. He's been on this show. He's a real deal. He's a comic. Uh, it, you know, a a true comic, a guy that's done the stuff, paid the dues, built the audience, knows how to do it, and he got boy, did he get piled on! Holy shit! All right, we'll deal with that. Like, I'll I'll talk about that in a second because I had to go back. Like I didn't even watch it in real time, but I'm like, I got to go like see this. I mean, as a comic, how fucking terrible was this? Poor guy. Jesus Christ. Okay, wait. I'll talk about that in a minute. Greta Gerwig is back. Uh, She was on the show in 2017 when she directed her first solo feature. That was Lady Bird. But since then, uh, she wrote and directed Little Women. And then last year, obviously, she was the director and co-writer of the biggest movie of the year. Barbie uh, went on to make one and a half billion dollars. Now, look, I'm not one to judge winning or artistic merit in terms of box office. I'm not one to interpret, you know, what is good based on ticket sales, because in my experience as somebody who takes in stuff, both marginal and mainstream, I found that some of the most impactful stuff that I've ever experienced, uh, art-wise, theater-wise, comedy-wise, film-wise, was uh, marginal, off the radar genius, not for everybody because on some level it confronts something though. Barbie did all that. I am a big champion of the movie Barbie. I've been one since I saw it and now I've seen it three times. My experience with it was I didn't know what to do with it. Some of you have heard me talk about it, but I did not know what to do with it. I was overwhelmed with emotion because of the humor, the color, the sort of uh, the voice of it, the female presence of mind throughout it, and and the actual basically, you know, for most people, relatively radical ideology of the movie. Shouldn't be radical, but it kind of was. It's a radical fucking movie in a very great way. And I've watched it three times without getting bored of it there were jokes i missed i talked to greta today and she brought up something i kind of missed and we also talked about the reality of both of these movies oppenheimer and barbie being fundamentally jewish in origin which is interesting they are both jewish movies which is beautiful oppenheimer obviously a jew and and one of the intents of creating the bomb was to push back against hitler uh, that came to pass and it was used other, well, and the reality exists, but it was from a fundamental fury of Americans and Jews. Oppenheimer was a Jew and the creator of Barbie um, was a Jewish woman who created this, this ideal for a reason that got a bit obfuscated over time and then was a uh, rethunk by Greta. And uh, Noah Bomback, her husband, but uh, fundamentally Jewish at the core. Uh, <laughs> yeah, both the nuclear fission core and the creating of a doll of a woman as opposed to a baby. My 2024 tour kicks off this month in San Diego at the Observatory North Park on Saturday, January 27th for two shows. Then I'm in San Francisco at the Castro Theater on Saturday, February 3rd. Portland, Maine, I'm at the State Theater on Thursday, March 7th. Medford, Massachusetts, outside Boston at the Chevalier Theater on Friday, March 8th. Providence, Rhode Island at the Strand Theater on Saturday, March 9th. Terrytown, New York at the Terrytown Music Hall on Sunday, March 10th. Atlanta, Georgia, I'm at the Buckhead Theater on Friday, March 22nd. Madison, Wisconsin at the Barrymore Theater on Wednesday, April 3rd. Milwaukee, wisconsin at the turner hall ballroom on thursday april 4th chicago at the vic theater on friday april 5th in minneapolis i'm at the pantages theater on saturday april 6th go to wtfpod.com slash tour for tickets i guess i gotta push those out i have to push those out into the platform world so so the Joe Coy thing. Now, look, I, you know, I'm coming at this as a comic, and you know, I I'm no stranger to enjoying Schadenfreude, but this guy didn't deserve it. And it, look, whenever it doesn't matter when he took the gig or how soon he got the gig to host the Globes. And the, you know, honestly, the Globes are a sham; and they don't fucking matter much, anyways. Though I do like seeing a room full of celebrities still, but I don't know. Even that's gotten tired. I I don't know what's going on with me. It must be an age thing, but. I'm slowly drifting out of the the cycle of uh, giving a shit about this stuff, but apparently nobody wanted to host that thing. Literally nobody. And Joe stepped in. The few things that I noticed in terms of like the ridiculous amount of shit this guy took for a show that stinks, anyways, for a show that is really you know a an invalid judge of anything anymore and has had its own problems. But they do still generate publicity, which is really what drives this goddamn culture and world, whether it's self publicity or uh, industry publicity or whatever. You get what I'm saying. It's all pushing it into your brain. How do we push this shit into your brain? Is it entertaining? So, Joe, Joe Coy takes this gig. And it's a nice paying gig. And he's a comic. He's seasoned. He knows what the fuck he's doing. But nobody really knows who Joe Coy is. I mean, he does fine out there. You know, he's a big comic, sells a lot of tickets, uh, has a community around him, the Asian community as well, has been successful for many years, but not a household name. I would say most people don't know who he is. So right away, that's jarring. He comes out and a lot of people in that room and otherwise are like, who is this guy? But he's the real deal. But people, he doesn't have the gravitas because he doesn't have the brand recognition of your usual one of the people that host that thing. And Gerard Carmichael did it a few years ago. He was not a huge act either, and he didn't do a great job either. But he did not do the job Joe Coy did. I mean, Gerard you know, chose to make a statement about race and himself in the midst of that room, which I respect. The personal angle, the vulnerable angle, the, uh, the honest angle, I'll take it. But Joe just get up there. Joe Coy gets up there and just does jokes that, you know, a couple he wrote, some his writers wrote. You know, you get a writer's room together, you knock that shit out. But he just did the job. But it wasn't going well, I guess. But I watched it. It didn't go as bad as I thought, not from the way it was written. There were people laughing. I don't think they sweetened it, you know, after the fact. But, you know, a lot of the jokes didn't land. But they usually don't. I think the primary issue with Joe was that not enough people knew who he was so they decided to fucking shit on him. Who is this guy? Why him? Well, he's completely capable of the job, but the other thing I know, the reason that he, I think got the flack that he did is he does not come from the class of people that that determine what the entertainment business is. That was it was who is this guy? Like as if he had just gotten off a week at the Irvine Improv. He might have and stepped into the into the stage. He, j- I think he got flack because they were like, fuck this guy. Who is he really? Because the jokes were fine. I've seen plenty of Golden Globe jokes that were worse than his and better. You know, I just don't think, I think it was a, a, a recognition and gravitas issue. And I also know what it's like to bomb, period, and to bomb on television. It, it's horrendous. And you either handle it two ways. This is maybe the one skill set he didn't have, and I certainly don't have it, is just sucking it up and bombing and realize that you're playing for the cameras. The hardest thing about hosting, I watched Patton Oswald do it at the Independent Spirit Awards, is that you're not going to kill. There's no fucking way to kill. And you got to realize that going in. There's no killing, and you're doing this, and you have to maintain, keep your face, keep your stature, stay grounded, act like you're doing well, play to the camera, even though it sucks. There's a ceiling to the response you're going to get, really. But I've bombed. Go find that, you know, kicking Aspen. Wow. For Comedy Central, shot at the Aspen Comedy Festival. Tanked. The Chevy Chase roast, which they sweetened. Tanked. I mean, it's going to be embarrassing. like Because I saw it. I saw Joe doing it. I saw him starting to laugh at his own jokes. I saw him starting to throw the writers under the bus. I saw him starting to diminish the gig. And these are all comic things. These are fuck you things. Uh, that a comic does when the fucking plane is going down and he did those things. And I'm like, it's all right, buddy. It's like when Gus Grissom, uh, screwed the pooch, you know, like Sam Shepard and the right stuff is Chuck Yeager. Oh, Gussie did all right. Oh, Gussie did all right. Oh, Joe did. Okay. Oh, Joe, he did. All right. He did. All right. I had to do Largo the other night. It was my show at Largo and uh the plan was lori kilmartin who i love was going to open for me and uh and then judd apatow wanted to come down and try some jokes because he's uh hosting the dga awards, so he wanted to run his bits to see if they land test the uh the integrity of the jokes so fine you know that's fine so i get there and uh oh can adam sandler do a set What am I going to say? No, I always thought that guy was mad at me, but maybe he's not. I don't think he is. He's been very nice to me. We get along fine. But yeah, I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, Adam, yeah, he can do a spot. And then like Bargazzi's in town. So Nate, I see him at the comedy store the other night. He's very excited. He passed, by the way. He's now a paid regular at the comedy store. And Nate Bargazzi was thrilled that he finally got to park in the comedy store parking lot the other night. It's so funny. That guy's so funny. So Nate's coming by. Nate wants to do a spot. So now the show, my show, is uh, Lori, and then Judd, and then Adam, and then Nate, and then me. Two arena acts. There was a different time, man, a different time in my life where that would have just fucked me up. But like, it was no problem. I was thrilled. I was thrilled to see everybody. I was happy that Sandler was doing a set on my show, and he was funny. And I always liked watching Nate. But it really, it, was, it took an hour to get them all on and off stage. And by the time I got up there, I, I said to the audience, I'm like, I guess it's, we're done, right? Do you, do you want to, should I even bother to do a set on my show? But I ended up doing like 45 an hour and it was all great, but I, it was just a, it was such a, a kind of growth moment that I wasn't intimidated by it all. And the audience held and that I didn't feel threatened in any way. And I, and I was actually happy to see everybody. And it felt like, uh, I don't know, I had a good time. Is that Okay. But, like, there was a time, I guess I'm saying, where I would have fucked my brain up. Like, how the fuck am I going to follow these guys? These are fucking, fucking arena acts. What the fuck am I going to do? I didn't, why did I say yes, man? Now I got to fucking follow that? God damn it. Fuck. Nope. Did not happen. Everybody had a good time. Everybody had a good set. All right. So, look, Greta Gerwig is here. Barbie is now streaming on Max and available to rent or own on digital on demand platforms. It's always fun to see her. She's very um, engaged and exciting. And uh, shes I, I, I love the way she thinks. I was just happy to see her. I don't know what's happening. Am I, am I feeling better? What is happening? Anyway, this is me uh, talking to uh, Greta Gerwig. Now we can both drink sparkling water and burp on the air. That's good.
1: Yeah. Psychologically, it does feel like you're doing something else.
0: Because of the size of the can?
1: Yeah. and the, Like you're
0: drinking a 40?
1: Yeah. Like you're...
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I it, think that's why the kids like it. Mm-hmm. I've talked to parents and they're like, their kids can hang around and drink something that looks menacing.
1: Yeah. It seems... Um,
0: nicotine. You need nicotine? <laughs> I was off nicotine for like three years. Oh, wow. Well, all, all of it. Yeah. And then some guy got me... Uh, we're in Canada. Some guy talked me into smoking some fancy cigars. Cause I, oh, yeah. That's good nicotine.
1: I've never smoked a cigar, I have to say.
0: Yeah, I I don't do it in a bro way. I do it in uh, sit on my porch and get nauseous and sweat myself way.
1: Yeah, no. I think I associate it with being (laughs) nauseous because my grandfather used to smoke... Yeah. He used to smoke a pipe, yeah. and he used to smoke cigars, and I remember feeling sick all the time around Because you, it.
0: oh, really, just by secondhand stuff? Yeah. Wow. I used to,
1: um, he would, uh, his friends, they used to play cards, and I used yeah. to fill their drinks and empty the ashtrays. Yeah. <laughs> um, Is this your grandfather? Yeah, my grandfather, my mom's dad, Ralph. And Ralph? Ralph. Ralph was, what? Ralph Sauer, S-A-U-E-R. Yeah? Yeah. Um, he was like, uh, he'd been in the Navy, so all of his friends in the Navy. would And they'd do... sit
0: around in the den?
1: Yep, yeah. And they'd sit yeah. around and just um, play play, play bridge, play cribbage, if there's just two of them. And... My
0: grandparents had a night for the boys playing poker, and then another night for the ladies playing mahjong.
1: Yes, that sounds right. Yeah. We... <laughs> <laughs> they they would do, yeah. We were a big cards family. Lots yeah? of cards. Always? Yeah.
0: But yeah. you had all these old Navy dudes smoking yeah. <laughs> this c- cigars and pipes and cigarettes. Yeah, that's drinking right. Drinking the scotch.
1: Drinking scotch. In my memory, they were all named Perry. Perry? Yeah. Well, no, they're not really, but it, Perry is a name. I
0: oh, heard. what are the names? Oh, there was my grandfather, Jack.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Then yeah. there was Joe Suskind.
1: Joe Suskind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Gert Eisenberg mm-hmm. for Gerson.
1: Yeah, Gert. That's mm-hmm. a good one. There was a Perry, Vic. Vic, Vic was his brother. Um, uh, there was a, you know, It's just like a...
0: Your sounds like a non-Jewish circle.
1: No, this was nor- Northern California. Like, these were Dust Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Dust Bowl to California yeah. people.
0: I got a Joseph, a Jacob, a Gerson... That's oh good. what's the other guy's Scheinholz. Some, yeah, no, yes. No, full I, full Jew. <laughs>
1: I, my son's name is um uh, one of my sons' name what well, my son's names are Harold and Isidore, which are that's power th- Jews. The, well those are from Noah's family. Sure. I I, loved, I love those Izzy? names. Isidore's good. Yeah. Is he Izzy or no? He he's sometimes Izzy, sometimes Isidore. Um mm. but uh he's Harold. The, Harold.
0: That's a, that's kind of uh that one comes with some baggage, I think. Yeah, for you? No, just because it's not a common name, and it's not when you meet a Harold. Yes, it's a. It's sort of like wow, Harold.
1: Harold, I know, <laughs> I know, and he is it, he is it, a full Harold. Um, but it was uh, I I think a lot of people actually to me a lot of people say their grandfathers were named Harold. Yeah, yeah. People say, oh, my grandfather's It's, grandfather her, it's was definitely named an
0: old timey name. Yes. Right.
1: I love I love it. I love. I love their names, of Herald. course I do.
0: Now, and what what are you doing about the uh, the Jewish thing?
1: In terms of the how, if I were raising them with religion, yeah. Um, well, actually, that's a kind of a thing that's uh, we're kind of still fit. they're still quite young. How old are they? They're well, four and a half and nine months. Yeah. Um, it's something that. W- I I think it's I mean what we're sort of doing right now is that um, we're kind of all trying to honor all the traditions yeah um, because I think it's
2: all of a them nice, being what the-
1: well I was raised um, Christian yeah. but li- very uh, Unitarian Universalist um, and then Methodist but very liberal um, yeah Christian and um, but yeah I think it's like a it's nice to have traditions sure. and it's nice to have um, a sense of you know um, Identity of where you come from, but yeah. I also don't want to present anything that feels um, uh, constricting or guilt creating. Hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, let us just
0: uh, let life do that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, You know, I mean, um, but I, but I also think it's um, it's nice, and I also think I, I feel like I, I I was not raised Catholic, even though I went to Catholic high school. And I think actually um, getting the full religious, like yeah. religious education, was actually ended up being extremely useful. Also, just in terms of literature and stories sure. and references, and you're yeah. like, oh, I have a kind of a base for what this is. The
0: canon. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. the canon, such as it is.
0: Was is Noah full Jew?
1: Uh, he's half, but uh, but identified. But if, yeah, you're carrying you know.
0: around that name, you're going to identify. <laughs>
1: um, yes, no, he's. But he, um, I think, for his family, which he's um, talked about. Uh, yeah. Also, art art is very much a religion. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big um, uh, kind of which I I un- I sort of have come to understand more fully.
0: Yeah. Well, that what was that movie he did with uh, the the Meyerwitz? Yeah, yeah. That that's was a good movie.
1: That is um i I think in a way it it's something that I realized how deep that ran at the at even after it was over. it was like uh, a yeah, it was what, something. you
0: know what well what exactly
1: well, um I mean, actually, when he made it, his um father was still alive and um and then when his father died, um they had a very beautiful ceremony, yeah. and, and everyone spoke about him, yeah. but it felt um. It was actually one of the most amazing memorial services I've ever been to because it was extremely honest, oh. uh, but also it was a lot of different perspectives on one person. Oh yeah, and like that, it was wonderful that yeah. way.
0: But um, balanced like and now for the the uh, other side
1: <laughs> well it was i mean it was kind of like you know he had there were friends speaking brothers speaking sons speaking daughters speak. it was and it, and it was like oh you know people are complicated and complex and, and and obviously but also it was nice to see that all represented but also just the kind of relationship with art because um the, the original original Harold um Harold was um Noah's father's father and he was a painter because, you know, if you were a painter, yeah. we have um, a lot of Harold Baumbach's paintings in our house. Mm-hmm. And there's something sort of amazing about having the art that someone made. And, yeah, with, yeah.
0: and it was, it's, and it's important mm-hmm. that, but that's the weird thing about people who are committed to art at a certain level Yeah, where it's not decorative, yes. but it's meaningful
1: Yes. Yes. In,
0: in 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 with all the education and and kind of uh risks mm-hmm. that they're going to take as an artist. Mm-hmm. If it's infused with that, yeah. It doesn't matter how big the artist is. You can feel like, you know, this was life or death shit.
1: Yes. It it <laughs> is it, it was. And it was very much for him. It was his Right. I mean, I never knew him. Um but I d you know, I know from his family, what it, you know, what it felt like. And then, um, and then uh, Jonathan Noah's dad was a a writer Um, and it was that same level of, you know, seriousness and um, the importance of art and, and the relationship to it and the, are you doing it or are you not doing it? And how hard is it for you? And I, I don't think I, I, I really understood it deeply that day of like how much everyone in this family Thinks about this. As and how, did it have an impact on you? I mean, I guess in a way because it was. Uh, I think. I mean, I mean, I guess it's an, I don't know if this counts as an yeah. impact, but I didn't have that same. There wasn't like heaviness around art in the same way. Right. It was. Um, it wasn't something to either take up or not take up, but it was part of my life growing up, and it was something that I engaged in. But it was. It was always felt more. Um, it was. It wasn't everything. It was playful more.
0: Right, but um, I mean you. I mean you approach film, you know, with a. I mean you. You're making decisions. Yes, yeah. I mean you. I mean you obviously are a student of film.
1: Yes, no, I am, yeah. and I've definitely. It matters a great deal to me. Yeah, but, but it, you
0: approach it differently.
1: But I don't think it was something that I came. Uh, I don't feel like to the man born of art really sorry I really am burping um but like <laughs> it really hits you out of nowhere but like um but I have this moment when my Harold looks up at a painting yeah that Harold Baumbach did of yeah. this is like we have a painting of um women in Brooklyn yeah and um and he's looking at them and and I and I'm like that's in a way I it's it's exciting for me and I'm like that was your great grandfather. He was a painter. I don't know maybe you'll be a painter. Yeah. I, like there's a sort of like um relationship with it and then um of course as he gets older I mean he'll be able to read his grandfather's short stories and
0: Interesting. Maybe.
1: Maybe. <laughs> you know cuz like
0: my buddy, you know, Lipsight? do you know mm-hmm. Sam? Yeah. Like I mean, he's, his. I ask if his kids read his books. He's like, no,
1: no, no, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that's true.
0: It's a very odd thing. Yeah.
1: But maybe it's easier to engage with grandfathers or great grandfathers than it is with your parents because you know your parents.
0: Yeah. Right, and they're just your parents. And they're
1: your parents, and you yeah. kind of are like, I don't want to know what your interior life is. It's yeah. not that interesting. Maybe,
0: I, or else it's just you don't look at them that way at all. Because I think that, that, could be that his kid read some stuff and was pretty impressed, yeah. like knew his dad was a real deal, but still didn't want to go into all of it. Right. But yeah. like in the movies, though, I mean, you're making choices of different types. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of, of how a movie looks, what you're shooting with. Yo, I mean, yes, the, of course. When the last time I talked to you, it was at, it was for Ladybird. Yes. And then I ran into you, I think, at the Indie Spirit Awards. Mm-hmm. When you were there with Little Women.
1: I was not... I was there sort of as a... Um, I think Noah was there with Marriage Story, and I was there oh, right, as right. a guest. But yes, I was. that was my year of Little Women. That's
0: right. And those are like, and now Barbie is like completely different approaches yes. to all of it. You're just... You're just ta- and Frances Haas, totally different.
1: Yes. Yes, they're all different. So you're
0: evolving and making choices.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think... I kind of think of them as their own... Obviously, they're c- connected, but um, I think I try to take every movie as its own universe that wants to be articulated in a different way. Yeah. So I try, I think the thing I wish most for as a filmmaker uh, is that I see with new eyes. Every <laughs> time? Yeah. yeah. And also just the world. Like I I hope that I'm able to conceive of something in a way that feels new or a way like yeah. to look at a space even differently and that that's something that's evolving Constantly for me, but it, but I but I always say I think that's my my most ardent hope is that I continue to see with new eyes and then find the way to capture that.
0: But in the middle of all this this uh, this cyclone of attention, mm. um, like I I haven't read a lot of the interview. Are you tired of it? The interviewing?
1: No, no. It's only that's. I feel like I only do this every. You know, three years, it's not that crazy, you know, you like, and also I get to, um, the nice thing about all of it is, you know, I I get to talk to other directors, I get to see people, I get to be part of the community of filmmakers. And that's, that's all wonderful. It's interesting.
0: It's It's a small, it's it's a smaller community than you'd think.
1: I know, I know. It, it does. It feels like a. Uh, it feels like a school. <laughs> yeah,
0: because like I like I'll talk to James Gray occasionally. Yeah, and they're and the directors are always doing things, and I'm like, oh my god! And then you realize, like, oh, there's not that many of you. No, you're not, you're not actors. You're directors. So you kind of all know each other a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then and then it's sort of exciting. Like a this this year, it's like I've always loved Todd Haynes, and now oh my I get god. to. Hang out with Todd Haynes. He's a good guy, and that's exciting. Yeah, and so yeah. I mean, if I had to do this level all the time, I think it would be feel exhausting. But it's only it's every so often.
0: And how are you feeling about how? Like, I guess my question is because I had a very particular reaction to the movie. Mm. And there's, I think, there's a couple of things uh, that I want to share. But are are you are you feeling in any broad way? That something isn't being addressed about the film. Gosh,
1: I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I. I mean, to be honest, I. I. Well, I, I, my, my feeling is that there, that's sort of like the, the film taken as a whole is yeah. also is is being read with lots of different lenses, which yeah. is actually only exciting, and I don't think. Um, I had the other night um, in New York, um, I talked to Tony Kushner, and that was amazing, and he had such a specific lens on it.
0: Yeah, what was his take?
1: Oh, I mean, he had like fascinating things to say. He was talking about how um, products and capitalism and how stasis is part of it, Uh like you're not supposed to change at all, and that there's this dialogue about change, but that not changing is you know kind of successful for a brand but it's also death which is why when Barbie gets back into the box it's a coffin yeah and i thought that's a brilliant reading <laughs> like i mean yeah. Yeah, like i don't of course don't... he's going
0: to take the uh, the the communist uh interpretation
1: but it was the most marvelous yeah. conversation and i felt like it was so sort of th- th- like his certain reads on it w- w- were like it just it, it was so. I mean, I, I was say I love Tony Kushner, and oh, he's great. so, so I think um, so smart. The, the, those kinds of
0: like things are that. just
1: great. Yeah, it's so interesting because
0: they're beyond your intention necessarily.
1: Yeah, or or my intention that that some part of that was not my intention, but then they kind of picked it up and and made it even bigger.
0: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, clearly the box. What once the shackles were going down, she pulls out of it, and that there was no future in the box. There's other than not, a return, yeah, exactly. So, well, I can see that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, and but you know, on a story level, you know, you knew what was up, but you know, to sort of put it in the context of brand and consistency and and uh, repetition, you know? right?
1: And also, I don't know. I mean, I I did know in that scene that what it, I mean. There's so many lines, but there's a the way Will Ferrell says. Um, we'd love it if you could just get into that giant box, yeah. <laughs> and he kind of looks a little sheepish about it, but also right. is asking. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it's he's telling Barbie to get in the box, but he's also telling Margot Robbie to get back in the box. There's some like layer of meaning that is yeah. it's it's like funny and strange, and and I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I I really believe. I don't know if you f- think this, but I yeah. I think. Um, I don't believe in, like, there's a meaning of a thing that's static and that that's what it is. I think it is um, it is down to people right. and their own it bringing to be, it right. to If something's
0: know. to sort of keep speaking as a piece of art, it has to be sort of fluid yes. in terms of its interpretation, right? I mean, I kind yeah. of say that a lot where, like, it's something that'll grow with you, right? you, you know, if it holds. Right. And you can kind of keep reading into it. Yeah. Uh, or or letting it reflect who you are as you get older,
1: right? and yeah. I, and I also think on. I mean, this sounds. I, I mean, I I very much you know I write. You know, I wrote this movie with Noah and I directed it, and and I and I do feel, you know, a sense of authorship, but also in another way. I feel like none of it's mine anyway. I don't know where it comes from, and so yeah, I get that. Yeah. So it, I, I also feel this sense of it was never mine to begin with. Right. It just I.
0: You, you kind of wrestled it out of the air.
1: That's what it feels. Or yeah. I, I like let it come through me somehow. Yeah. Sure. Yeah.
0: Were you aware, like in in its conception or when you were shooting the the size of the thing?
1: Well, I knew that the budget that we had was um, big enough that I, you know, I had to believe in it to a point because you don't, you certainly don't want to ask for more than is, is... responsible um, not so, till the next movie yeah there's gonna be one where it's like I need I'm gonna do something it's gonna don't be don't you know wild. who I
0: am and <laughs> no. what I did for this business
1: no no I think um it's but I but I did I thought oh I I think this what like, was the budget the budget was like 140 was that's, like a lot that's big yeah yeah it was a lot
0: or did you feel like oh my god um, that's a lot of money
1: well, I guess I felt uh, there was sort of like an you know I I wrote the script. Our um, producer and line producer Michael Sharp did a budget, yeah, and the budget came in much higher than that. And I said, well, that's I can't do that. And then. Well, we sort of looked at it and and then I kind of it felt like a lot of money and felt like too much money in a way, but yeah. i also then I started looking at what other productions cost and started looking at other budgets and I was like, "Well, I guess this is kind of the going the ro- the r- zone yeah. of this kind of thing, and it's not even at the high end of it right like that that this is sort of this is where these things tend to live, and actually, it would have been pretty impossible i mean." you know it's, it's you always want to be able to make things for less but that's a big number and so i knew i it would it, it had some weight on it of like well it needs to work in a certain degree but yeah. i didn't but this was the way it worked was sort of beyond what i could have imagined right. but i did you know i was i was scared i was scared that it wouldn't work but i also thought um you know, it's it's one of those things like you kind of just got to go for it because other I mean, there's where are you going to hide? It's a Barbie movie, like
0: yeah. And also, I mean, you must have put a hell of a team together to kind of uh, manifest that vision. Yes, I mean, uh, yeah. I, the, I think that the I don't think people talk or 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 think on, enough about that delegating of jobs.
1: Yes, I mean, it was it was really a, the the people who came together to make it were my first dream choice people. Yeah. I had worked with Jacqueline Durand before who who did the costumes on Little Women, so I knew I wanted her to do the costumes. Isn't that amazing
0: about costume people? Like little women, a period piece. And I you're know. like, this is what we're doing now.
1: I just knew she could. Yeah. I just knew she could do something um extraordinary. And, I, and Did she I,
0: create the palette?
1: Well yes. And but it was a kind of she so her and then Sarah Greenwood, who was the production designer, they had actually worked together on different things before, so they knew each other, and oh, there was a very close connection. And then Rodrigo Prieto was a cinematographer, and I, and I had wanted to work with Rodrigo for I don't what, know ever. What's he done? Well, he just shot Killers of the Flower Moon, also. <laughs> so that's
0: these people have range.
1: Uh, yes, yes, and he actually he just uh, we talked before he shot Killers of the Flower Moon. So we talked we we discussed lots of things and he was like okay I got to go and I'm going to you know and I'll see you on the other end of it and so then he went and shot that you know for months and then he came out and then all of a sudden he was available and then we then he went it couldn't be two more different movies yeah but it was it was we were all b- building this out of nothing I mean there was a sense of like um everything was a problem that had to be solved nothing was Obvious. Everything had to be designed and executed and thought through, and everything from what are all the color palettes of all of the costumes and the sets and everything, but also like how are we even doing this? Like if if everything is taking place inside of sound stages, which which it was, and and I wanted it to feel like it was in sound stages, like
0: gives you a lot more control too, right?
1: Yes, but also it's all invention. Nothing yeah. is, nothing right. falls off the truck. It's right. all, yeah. you have to, you know, what is it? Well, if there's no water, what are these waves? Right. And And what do they look like? And they're these sort of sculptures and everything was to be, to be learned. And that was, when I think of the pre-production period, it was, I mean, the official pre-production period was like, it was like six months, yeah. but but then we had started talking about it like a year earlier and like started, um, and you had the
0: script that early?
1: I had, had the, I had the script in the fall of 20, the fall winter of 2020. And then in the beginning of 2021, I started, um, I knew I had people because I remember I made, um, I'd never done this before. I made a green light presentation, like, you know, where you tell people pictures. Yeah, and everything, and I'm just talking it all through. And I had, I knew I had Sarah, Rodrigo, and Jacqueline. Yeah, and I had Margot and Ryan. So, um,
0: oh, so what? So where do you do that presentation?
1: I did it on Zoom.
0: To who? B- to, Warner. Uh,
1: yeah, everyone at the at the Warner's people. Um yeah. So it was like a. I was like there was like twenty people on the Zoom. Wow. Actually, I didn't. I made a. I made a movie. Um, Or I made like a little movie.
0: Pitch? A movie pitch? Yeah.
1: Um, I did it with my editor, Nick Hui, who I've worked with on every movie I've done. And I actually remember they said, no, no, we don't do it this way. This is not, you have to do like a PowerPoint and then talk. And I just thought, no, that's (laughs) going to be boring, I think. (laughs) I'm going to make something, I'll just make, I'll I'll hit all the things we're supposed to make, but let me like make this. And
0: And talk as well?
1: And I talked while, you know, we made this this video that had yeah. everything and we talked through different scenes and we talked through how I wanted it to look. And at that point, I already had like, you know, all of the references from the soundstage musicals and the way I wanted it to feel so that, you know, um, and I tried to answer questions that came up all the time because like the first question was always like, are they going to walk like plastic dolls? And yeah. I was like, no, no. <laughs> like it was, I I'd sort of... Asked and answered questions that we'd gotten, and like, we will not be CGIing all the feet. But I did that, and then actually, I remember with that video too. I, um, my stepson, he's 13 and a half now, yeah. but, um, I showed it, he was 10, turning 11. Yeah. And I, I showed him the pitch video, and I was like, what do you think? And he said, I'd watch that movie. And I was like, well, <laughs> if he thinks he'd watch it, I don't know, that's pretty good. He's just a, and he doesn't like, re, like, he's not interested. He's not interested just because it's uh, uh, like, he, uh, if anything, it's the opposite. He's um, just
0: he, if it's engaging.
1: He was engaged. He was right. like, he was like, this looks funny.
0: He's not, he's not old enough to be culturally indoctrinated with cynicism.
1: No, not, not <laughs> yet. No, no, but he was, but he was. Um, Pretty wide open. Yeah. He was like, no, this looks hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I want to see this. And I remember I also, I show him lots of stuff because I think he's, he's really smart and he's really funny. And I remember I showed him, like, the first... We had, like, the teaser trailer, but then we had, like, a the sort of, like, the second teaser. Yeah. Which had, the, like, the high Barbies, I And I was like, what do you think of this? And he was like, I... I he was like, that's funny, I like it. And I, I said, why? And he said... That's exactly the kind of stupid stuff I'd expect Barbies to do, <laughs> but like he meant to like he's like they just say hi to each other all right. day, like yeah. And I was like, oh, that's that's good, right? Yeah. yeah. And but I'm always interested in like so, I always talk to him about like why do you like this? Why do you like that? What whatever is, it is, anything like movies. Well, like,
0: it's funny because the jokes, the humor of it, you know, works on a lot of levels. But it's not; it's clearly not like humor written to. Like a lot of children's movies where they're like, we're going to, you know, it's a kid's movie, but we're going to put some jokes in for the grown-up. Like,
1: <laughs> yes, yes. I know so, that. Yeah. yeah so, yeah.
0: but it's not like that. because Because no. uh, all of the humor is pretty well integrated. Yes. to Because it speaks to on some level. Certainly, with the men in the movie, it speaks to an emotional immaturity that, that goes from age five to the end of life.
1: <laughs> well, you you know, girls' equal opportunity can also be quite no, no, emotionally oh, yeah. immature. Well, I think it yes, does yes, that as yes, well. Yes. yes.
0: But, but, it, yeah. but it's interesting that there is sort of a universality of the parts of us that uh, remain somewhat immature.
1: Yes, it, I, I think that's true. I also think there's something. Um, Because also, I think in pre-production or something, it's sort of like a rule of thumb, like comedy doesn't travel well, like internationally, especially language specific or like specific jokes. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, there was this discussion about it, but I always thought of it as being, because I thought of it as like some strange combination of lots of different things, I always thought of it as being, there was like an element of it where it was, physical it was like it was like you don't i mean you can understand well. sure. you can understand what this is and you know obviously i love like um charlie chaplin yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, buster sure. keaton and harold yeah. lloyd and and i actually i remember going to see it uh, uh when rummer was really little and we watched um Sa- safety last yeah and um was that buster no that's harold, harold lloyd, lloyd. Oh, the one that, on the clock? the clock yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. um and the kids in the audience, and these are kids, um, you know they 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 have all the the things that are you know all the the movies that we have now, and yeah. they were screaming with laughter. Yeah. They couldn't believe they thought it, and they couldn't read they couldn't read the interstitial yeah, 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 things, yeah, yeah. but they could not. They thought it was so funny, like the thing of even like he's tied the thing, but he doesn't realize that it's going to come undone, and sure. now he's going to go out the window. Like they could, they were just like. And they were so excited. And I thought, on some level, we actually haven't figured out something more entertaining than this.
2: Like,
1: (laughs) no one has figured out how to entertain children more than this.
2: And
1: and even, like, you know, we actually in the pandemic, we watched a bunch of the Buster Keaton shorts. Like, they're not even the full, or not, uh, I mean, the Charlie Chaplin shorts. They're not even the full ones. I think they were all, like, on Criterion. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Hilarious. Like, we're just like laughing uncontrollably. And I I thought, I don't know. It's not that there's so much of it in Barbie, but I felt like kind of some of that stuff It, it beca- sort of became there's part a, of it.
0: There's definitely a stick to it. Yeah. In a lot of places.
1: And also just like the way they, mo- that was like part of using all these dancers in it too, was like even like with the Mattel Corporation, I yeah. wanted them all to be dancers because I wanted them to have that like, it was in one of the Charlie Chaplin shorts. He's like, He's being chased by policemen and he runs. And they do that thing where they mm-hmm. turn the corner and they all kind of
0: go a little yes, too far, spar, and, and they all up. pile yeah, on yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. like
1: love the way that stuff yeah. looks. And I kind of thought, well, let's you see if we dancers? can. <laughs> I they were all dancers, <laughs> and they were all like, and they all moved in this very wonderful way, and yeah. they, kind of as a unit. And um, anyway, that, like that all goes in. I
0: yeah, guess. and, and I, well, yeah, but I, I think it, it all goes in, in in a big way because. Well, my experience with the movie was the first time I saw it, I was overwhelmed mm-hmm. we, uh, emotionally. Like, I have a thing about you know, musicals, and I, I don't know if this is, would you call it a musical, but it's it's framed like a musical. Mm-hmm. It could have been a musical. Mm-hmm. yeah, I yes. mean, easily.
1: Yeah, it's almost like it's, almost like it, it's half a musical. Yeah. It wants to be a musical. Yeah,
0: yeah, and sort of the unity of everything and, and, and mm-hmm. the, the sort of... Uh, the very specific vision of it. But I don't know what it is w- with me in in terms of, you know, how emotional I got in a good way about just the way the women were talking. Mm. Mm. And I, I don't I can't even mm. like because it, mm. it's a very it speaks to a very odd thing and a very sad thing about movies in general mm. is that you realize that it, in mainstream movies, that there's not a lot of women talking in general, right? And yeah. so, but just the fact that there was this conceit that enabled them to talk, you know, plainly and 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 curtly, but in a very emotional and intellectual way, was kind of amazing.
1: It, it felt amazing, yeah. On, on the set, I have to say it was like small things that felt amazing when we did even the scene with Margot and Ryan, and he said asked to stay over, and she says but I don't want you here. And she just said it yeah. so... Yeah. Um, like, she's not being mean. It's, you know... Right. She's just she's saying being, exactly yeah. what she feels. Right. And it it was so... It, it, it was sort of amazing.
0: But because it undermines the whole expectation because there is no sexuality no. In, a, in a way... Because we all know that... And you make reference to it maybe twice... Yeah. That they don't have genitals. No. But, but so, so that interaction, which is naturally loaded with any th- and all the baggage that anyone's going to bring to it yeah. is able to have this honesty that's devoid of sexual expectation or manipulation.
1: Also devoid of her needing to placate any ego. Yeah. That there's no... It wouldn't even occur to her. Right. Well, To... To placate his ego, like they're like, oh no, it's it's not, it doesn't enter enter right. it at all. But
0: that's interesting because in those scenes, you know, the male ego more so is intact.
1: Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, right. So, so, right. so he,
0: you know, she doesn't acknowledge it or recognize it, but it, they, that's all they have.
1: Yes, the yes, Kens, yes, right? yes, yes, the Kens, the Kens are. Um, I it's funny. Like actually, I, this is Ryan. Um, from the very beginning, no one—I, you know—wrote the part for him. But um, we didn't know him, and it was uh, getting him the script, and then being saying like, no, "No, no, we really wrote it for you. Like, we wrote this for really? he didn't you." Believe it? Well, no, I—I I think he did once he started reading it because he, his name is all over the script. I mean, because we'd say, "Ken Ryan Gosling," like.
0: But it's so funny because he's so, like, those guys, there's something about those Canadians sometimes. That oh, can, they're, they're very funny.
1: Oh, they're so funny. In a
0: very specific way. It's a non-neurotic yeah. kind of presence.
1: That's true.
0: And and they're very good at, at just isolating the funny and locking in. Ryan Reynolds yeah. is the same way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, and it's not, there's no kind of like, uh, though Ken had to struggle with self-awareness, the, the the comedic element of it is is just pure.
1: It's pure. And it's also based in, it, I, I think he takes it seriously, which is part of what made it funny, which I sure. had an instinct that he'd do, and then he did it so completely. And he said, I think the first time we talked on the phone, he said he found his daughters had Barbies, and then he said to himself, I think they have a Ken somewhere, and then he found it, like, date face, face down in the mud. <laughs> next to a squished <laughs> lemon and he's like this is ken no one cares about him and and the, the, and i was like it was just instantly like yes that's exactly that's exactly right
0: so he got the emotional universe
1: right away um i also i think also i like talking in movies like i like a lot of talking yeah. and i like acting i yeah. like you know, like real acting and characters and talking, and I think it's like that. And I think it went with everything that was heightened about the movie was this kind of like um fast, fast, fast dialogue and 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 sort of over the top characters that somehow are more honest for it. Um,
0: but that's really that I think that's the, the the comedy of it, right? Yes, it, 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 it's it it's it is kind of ironic in a way, yeah, right, yeah, in in the sense that you have. Just out of nowhere, women—you know—just addressing patriarchy, which is just, you <laughs> yes, know, and, know, and 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 it's just like that word because I, you know, I've talked to other people about the movie, yeah. and it, I've talked to well one woman in particular. Mm. Who was uh, sort of like well, you know, that was sort of feminism one on one. I'm like exactly. What else are you going to give the kids? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you, you, you right, know, right. How right. did you yeah. want to go? Yeah, you, you know, it's like you know, if you're a grown woman who's mm. familiar mm. with those, you know, mm. feminist texts about mm. patriarchy, however far they go, but the basics are the basics.
1: R- yes, well, also I think that there was something about it where, I mean, so much of the the writing of it came out of this. Um, I mean, it was we, were, you know, Margaret really as a producer, you know, no and I were totally left alone to do what we wanted yeah. with it, and and there were things like, um, I went I went to Mattel and I looked at everything, and you sort of walk through a, a it's almost like the Hall of Fame with yeah. all these different you know Barbies, but I stopped in front of one and I realized well, there was like a. a a, a, an all female presidential ticket that was you know won. in yeah. <laughs> and, and i said oh barbie's uh, barbie's president yeah. barbie's and they said oh yes barbie's been president since 1995 <laughs> i was like that's that's different that's a, well they, that's and i just thought what a strange construction of this alternate universe to our own
0: so I how mean, many of those dolls were real
1: uh well the i mean we made there was it was like a combination of making things that were um you know ours that belong to our movie um personally and then also because barbie's existed since 1959 we wanted to sort of thread Different specific dolls that are uh, th- right. That if people care care about it, yeah. like there's like peaches and cream Barbie and day to night Barbie. And, oh yeah. Um. Yeah. There's just like uh, now I really know wh- what they are. But like things like uh, you know, wh- like Issa Rae as President Barbie. We we talked about like well she would wear a ball gown like but it, and it was part of this idea of like well what she sh- that that sh- why not yeah. so that would what what she mm-hmm. do and and one thing we were talking a lot about is almost like the psychology of, um, you know, because obviously it's about kids at play, but like, you know, six-year-old girls yeah. um, or seven-year-old girls, but they, this this thing of when you watch six-year-old girls play dress-up that they, yeah. pu- they put everything on. Yeah. They wear a tiara and a boa, like a yeah. like feather boa yeah. and a tutu and the heels and gloves and a hat. Like yeah. it's everything. They don't have a sense of like, oh no, this is now getting gaudy. Right. They like the too muchness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted everything to be too much. Yeah. And even with ideas, a part of it was like, I wanted it to be anarchic and I wanted it to be packed with ideas and packed with things so that it almost did feel like overwhelming and too much, because I was like, but that's the aesthetic of Barbie. It's not minimalism. Yeah. It's maximalism. Yeah. that's that's it's inherent in it, sure. so anything that felt less than a Sparkle Barbie mermaid riding a pony, like it was like, it's got to be totally bananas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: so you just pushed it,
1: pushed it all the way. yeah, you know, and it was like, um sort of a whirly gig in a way
0: what was the core of the because like after like watching it because i enjoyed the the one joke that i that that killed me literally both times because i i didn't see it coming the first time i'm gonna play guitar at you
1: (laughs) yeah 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 that was a (laughs) that was a good one i love the way he says says it too it just goes fast Yeah. yeah yeah Play the guitar, too. Um, (laughs) For four uh, hours? Yeah. Um, No, yeah. And
0: I liked also that there was clearly, there was a a pretty broad spectrum of the types of of humor based in in stereotypes. Mm, Because mm, there's so much mm, of, mm. with the guys anyways, you know, the the idea, the guy who knows the godfather. I mean, that's not every guy. No. But that's a guy that you've encountered, (laughs) you, you know, but... But there are, you know, even when they're all playing their musical instruments, there's just like, once Ken's take over, you know, the spectrum of maleness was pretty hilarious. Because you were able, because even if you're not a guy from that hipster world or whatever, right. you know all those guys.
1: Yeah. I will, and I also thought they are receiving whatever this information is through some sort of terrible game of telephone. Like, he's seen something and brought this back. And now... The horses. Yeah, the horses. They're either, like, interpreting this, you know, one way or another. But, I mean, the specificity was also, like, extremely fun because I thought, you know— there's things that are more accessible like my my brother and his sons um, are big car guys and they love the porsche uh, joke you know they texted me right after and they were like (laughs) love the porsche joke and then but (laughs) then but then like
0: uh i talked to a car guy last night yeah Yeah.
1: it's like a specific (laughs) love yeah but then like you know the people who got the like Stephen malcolm's pavement joke that's Uh, which one's that Oh that's that's uh, uh, it's um during the whole deprogramming thing um uh, shooty uh, got was a Ken and talking to Emma Mackey yeah. is saying um, Stephen Malcolmus really harnessed the acerbic talk singing of Lou Reed and uh, uh, <laughs> with influences with post-punk influences such as wire and the fall <laughs> I, how did that
0: go by me I don't
1: know it's really fast but I do know because I saw pavement at Brooklyn Steel Stephen Malcolmus was it was very exciting to meet him I love Stephen Malcolm I love pavement it's great. And, and they sound great right now and he told me his daughter Saw Barbie and thought, "Holy shit!" Like she heard her dad's name in Barbie, and um, and I was like, "I really fought for that joke because I was like, <laughs> I know it, not everyone will know what this right, is. Yeah. The people who know it and hear it are yeah. going to won't be able to believe it."
0: But there was all these hipster Easter eggs in there.
1: Yes, there are, and also just like nerdy Easter eggs. And yeah, different. Thing. I, I, but I kind of again, it was like that maximalism, pack it in. Sure, why not? Thing,
0: yeah, because it's it's inclusive, but you kept it. The, the, the sort of the world is so big and it's so familiar. And, and the fact that like I go to a movie theater and half the people are dressed in different versions of, of the colors yeah, and Mm -hmm. the indigo girls, this is so specific, but yet so common, but it's like the perfect choice.
1: I know that was always, that was written into the script. Um, the indigo girls and matchbox 20 were the two songs that were written into the script. And, um, I mean, I have like, D- sort of deep experiences with both of them, of course, um, because you know I always I, like i remember i you know I think push came out when I was in seventh grade, yeah, and I um have a very clear memory of um you know there were different radio stations in Sacramento that played you know top forty hits, yeah. and there was like uh one oh seven point nine the end, quad one oh six point five uh those were the two ones and then there was one or 2.5 and it, there was just you'd you'd switch between the stations looking for songs because you you know
0: well from the 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 alt rock and the rock
1: yeah alt rock rock top 40 sure. hip hop yeah, like, yeah. you'd go what back you and forth and yeah, like yeah. um and uh and yeah, and I remember like well, that song was so huge, and just like I really loved it, and listened to it again and again. And then I wasn't until later that I thought to myself, "What is that? What is this song? What are these lyrics?" <laughs> um, but I, but I was really like, I, I you know, it's a real, it's a banger. And um, but but in any case, and I also felt the same way. Indigo Girls wasn't on the radio, right? But because I was raised, uh, I don't. I mean, this is true of a lot of people, but. Not just people raised like me, but because I was kind of like hippie Christian. Yeah. That was kind sure. of in
0: that feel. But I think like what in talking to you about it now, what, what you realize is that somehow that movie, because the foundation is Barbie and it is sort of the beginning of, of something, it's a, it's a constant, right? Yeah. So you create the world of Barbie, but somehow capture the entire, the entire cultural history of the last 40 or 50 years.
1: Right. Well, that's that was that was the thing that I thought was so interesting about it. It's a, to, as like a jumping off point to look at a lot of things, not didactically, but almost as just like what an interesting thing that this object has been a, it's discussion, a point of discussion and argument and everything else. And I, I sort of had that feeling of like, you know, it's a it's a doll. It's a it's an object with it almost inherently doesn't have a. Have it, it shouldn't have a character or a story because it's there to be projected onto. Right. And I I thought there was something so um, funny and strange and human about this idea of, like, we're so advanced in a way. Yeah. And then also, we're still making dolls and getting mad at them. Yeah. Like, that's such a—how wonderfully medieval, like, of us, yeah. that we're still having arguments about it, oh, this yeah. doll. Did, did you doll? watch
0: Ben Shapiro? Destroy you. <laughs> no,
1: I didn't but I, it's that that but that passion, you know that thing of like it's that a doll.
0: was the best thing I ever saw. It was like it was the perfect, you know, it was the perfect hilarious addendum to the movie was to see that worm, you know, lose his mind, you know, in you know in that sort of dumb kind of and Sally, you know, border, like you know, just ridiculous way.
1: But I have to say that, but the flip side of it is like, you know, when I'm, and this is where so much of everything came from was like also like my mom, um, because I was born in 83 and my mom had a very, she didn't like Barbie because Barbie represented everything that was different than what her... The idea of experience of, of fe- fe- feminine, yeah. feminism, yeah. like the the sort of like, did we march for this? Yeah. Like, right. and now yeah, my sure. daughter wants this, you know. Yeah, and yeah. then, and then, of course, because it's something that is sort of looked at askance. It's something I want more. Yeah. You know. And then, and I thought, well, this is so great as a as a strange way to look at things. It's like from this angle, but then also. It can include so much because everybody knows what Barbie is. Everybody knows what it is.
0: But, like, you know, because of what you said before, that everybody's going to project onto it and has for decades, that this sort of inanimate representation of a woman is is just—it's explosive.
1: It it certainly is. And it's very—when we were were sort of—you know, Noah wasn't sure we should—he didn't think this was— he wasn't sure about this.
0: The whole thing? Uh,
1: well, I I wanted to, I thought I I kind of had a feeling maybe I wanted to write this, but he was he I mean he had the thing of like it's what is there to write? There's not there's no story. There's no character. <laughs> and but the he so he had kind of yeah. a hesitation around it. But then as I we started talking about it and then I started kind of bringing all these different things into it, it was this kind of like it felt it could just hold a lot in a way that, right. and, and even beyond the, like what the ideas were, the jokes were, it was like, it could hold a lot of music. It could hold a lot. Like there was, and I've never made a movie that could hold quite as much. Yeah, And, and I, and it felt flexible in that way. Yeah. It, it felt like it gave me permission to do a lot of things that in another movie would feel too chaotic,
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you threw in that the big dance number, the big Ken dance number. That's
1: why I love it. It's
0: the best, right?
1: I love, I love, I love it. (laughs) I love it, and I also, that was, I mean, the song is so great, and then, um, you know, Ryan is such a great singer and dancer, and and it was, it was a. I, it was emotional that to shoot it it was actually
0: well it's amazing that's what makes musicals amazing. You just want to cry with the it's like that what you're saying about the Keystone cops the fact that there's so many people acting in unison. I love it it's yeah it's, it's overwhelming
1: I find particularly i and I don't know it's, I also think um a lot of men dancing always really gets me oh yeah, there's yeah. something just about giving it. it up yeah
0: just doing it.
1: There's, it's very, I mean, I love women dancing too, but there's something, I guess, because um, maybe dance is seen as not masculine mm. or something, that when men are dancing, I just am so happy.
0: Oh, yeah, but it's amazing. I don't know when that happened because, you know, you watch, you know, the first 50 years of the history of movies. Yeah. You know, even like the, yes. if you like tap dancing, the of dance, they, yeah, and it's, Gene Kelly, yeah, stare, all of them.
1: I think about that all the time because. It's not as if the musicals, which are surreal and beautiful and yeah. strange, and those Vincent Manelli musicals, yeah. those were mainstream things, and 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 people went to them, not sure. just women, not just children, yeah, met grown men,
0: yeah, and even the crooners. Like there's a certain yeah. point where you know you see Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, yes. in their tuxedos singing with no instrument,
1: yes, and it it's
0: it, it was that was very manly,
1: exactly. Yeah. And I think like how how has this become not not how would lose that? Yeah, because I think there was a sort of you know I, I don't know expansiveness, and that was also down to when, when you know we were shooting. It was I had this feeling of um I you know it was such a joy it really was it was well i guess that's what i felt it was a joy the whole thing i think thing.
0: i think that's what i felt and i'm not good at joy like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't come easy for me i try to stifle it whenever possible so when it's uh, you know unavoidable yes like i'm able to experience it you know with some context yes. like joy is not something my body generates naturally so i guess your feeling throughout the entire process of putting that together. And I think that's exactly what it is. Actually. That's what I was, pro- I can't break it down to, you know, ideas or, you know, I, you know the, the talking and the women yeah. and the, and the jokes about the dudes and yeah. the jokes about women, whatever. But I think overall, what you're saying makes sense to me that the whole thing was a joyful project.
1: It was, it was deeply. And it was also, you know, there was like, it, it was everyone who made it, you know, there's a, Everyone who's on camera, but then the entire crew and we shot mostly in London because we, we were shooting on these sound stages and they were there were these giant builds and and there was a whole miniatures department which was incredible and they, but that
0: also makes it uh, like theater.
1: It was like theater. It was like theater. So you
0: have that kind of like this 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 totally created environment yes. where magic happens. It
1: was magical, right? And everyone felt part of it, and the men. You know, it was women on the crew, but there are a lot of men on the crew, a lot of British men. Oh, yeah? And they're not necessarily the most— Emotive? No, but they—you would see them tapping their toes, (laughs) singing along, (laughs) and then Margot had this thing. She said, you know, there was one day a week where you'd wear pink, and if you didn't wear pink, you'd get fined um, for charity. And um, the men couldn't wait to wear pink. (laughs) They they were like they it was like they'd been asked to do it and they were so excited and they I had, had
0: to do it but they but wanted they wanted to, to yeah, do yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. and then
1: at the same time because we were controlling I don't know we had I think seven stages at wow. one point and we had the miniatures department but at the same time they were shooting on the same um, studio lot right. was. Um, Fast and the Furious, and you'd see that those guys—they kind of wander down and peek in and say, "Like, well, what's going on over here?" And it was like this sort of. So, so in any case, when people said, "Oh, I, you know, "Will men go see?" It? and I thought, "I think they're gonna like this more than you know," and and also, you know, there's more expansiveness here than you might guess.
0: Well, yeah, it can. Yeah, it, I think that it serves to open like I said, to open men up in a, in a way that has a context yeah. and, and also, you know, they can sit in a theater wherever they're going to watch it and, you know, let these feelings happen <laughs> and just, you know, take whatever, you know, minor hits come and are deserved and funny and make you self-aware. Uh, but, but also I, I do, I think that's true. I think that a lot of men, myself included, you know, you don't walk around waiting for that to happen. No, you don't live in it. No, but when it comes over you, you know, <laughs> either you're going to be like, "What's happening?" It's just uncomfortable, or or, or yeah. you're going to like let it happen.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's like a. I, I feel like now when I, 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 you know, the the sweatshirt he wears at the end, the, I I am canuff. Oh, yeah. Like I, I can't tell you how happy I am every time I see a man wearing the Knuff wearing shirt? Wearing the Knuff shirt, I am canuff, and it's also yeah. I think that was. I think in that way, I had that sense of, like, if this is what it feels like just here, maybe it does get out. Like, maybe it does do the same thing that it's doing to us, to other
0: people. It did. Yeah. That
1: Mm -hmm. was the hope. But it was, yeah, it was. um,
0: And it's so funny. Like, I I don't like and I don't want I really want to stress the fact that, mm -hmm. you know, the comedic performances and also the the writing was so good and like whether you know Ryan earnestly approached Ken or not, he knew he was being funny.
1: Oh no, he knew, and he and was, and yeah. so did
0: Margot, yes. and obviously Kate and yes. everybody. I mean yes. everybody.
1: Yeah, and I actually was thinking Michael is another hilarious Canadian. Totally, and he's, I mean he 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 was another one who we just like instantly uh, clicked, and instantly were you know we we had a moment where we thought like should Alan. Should we give Alan something at the end? Yeah. that is happy for him, and then Michael. I don't. We we sort of put it. thought about it, and he came up to me the next day. And he said, no, "No, Alan just has <laughs> tragedy. Like for him, there is no. Yeah. It we it would be false for Alan." And I was like, "You're right. You're yeah. right. Well, we got to." We have to respect Alan enough not to put a band aid on something sure. because he's so there's so much, fe- and it's funny, but it's also like. But I felt like everyone who was making it that the, there was sort of this um, we all were in- entered into the same agreement that nobody ever articulated, but everybody understood. Yeah. And you know, I think, you know, Margo was so extraordinary. And I think even. I, I mean, I think this way about everybody in the movie, but I always think her her performance is so, um, it's so deceptive. Because, it's because Because you think, ah, yes, it's Margot and she does this thing and she's funny. But it's a totally constructed, heightened, comedic, external performance, which is... Uh, Capital P performance. And then what she does is she somehow, through the course of the movie, makes it transparent. And then you see the human behind the thing. And and I don't even know, I mean, I was there when she did it, but I also feel like I don't know how she did it, and she makes it look so effortless. But the fact that anyone is following this doll over the course of two hours and cares is extraordinary.
0: Well, I guess the turn starts, you know, when... Things start stop working out.
1: Yes, and I remember when she the first time when she's when she's dancing and she said, "Do you guys ever think about um, dying?" Um, yeah, that's like yeah. <laughs> like it was like for the first time she doesn't have an interior life, but she also doesn't have any separation from her environment. Her, herself and her environment are continuous. Yeah. There is no difference and then all of a sudden in that moment yeah. she becomes separate from her environment and what that feels like for the first time
2: yeah
1: and um you see just fear on her face right and i i don't i don't know how she found it exactly because it's such a almost intellectual idea yeah. and she plays it and it's painful it's yeah. painful
0: how long did it take you to refine the jokes
1: um, well, we, I mean, we really, we kind of work them and work them in the yeah. scripts. I mean, yeah. um, it took, it's, I mean, it all sort of went together, but yeah, I mean, we, we, we work those scripts. Um, it's not, uh, it's, it was, is not something that we sort of do, um, quickly. Yeah. Um, no, I yeah. think we really, um, that's the way Noah and I write together, so. We just revise, 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 revise. Yeah, you have to with the humor. And then you do, with the jokes, you can also tell, like, often I find that in the first drafts you write, um, you'll do, like, almost, I don't know if you find this, but I find that I'll almost do, like, three rotations of essentially the same joke. Yeah. And then you're like, no, no, just pick one. Right. You know, like, they're not. Yeah, because there
0: wasn't really a false beat, you know, in terms of the humor. I didn't see any. I think... The whole thing was pretty tight.
1: I think it was... It, I think, it is that sort of like process of that r- writing and rewriting and rewriting.
0: How much? How like in the second viewing? I, I, and I, and yeah. I felt it in the first one, but I didn't focus on it on as as much. But Rhea Perlman is kind of amazing. Oh, I love her. It was too. It was so yeah. like that whole idea. How much did you get into the story of Ruth Handler?
1: I did. I mean, I, I was very moved by the story of Ruth Handler. I um. I mean, I think it really what the story of her, sh- her was, was threaded throughout yeah. what the movie became, but also um, I was just compelled by it. I mean, the she really did. Her insight was she watched her daughter playing with a baby doll, which yeah. was what was on the market. Right. And her insight was. My daughter doesn't really want to pretend to be a mother. She wants to pretend to be an older girl. Right. That's what she wants. So yeah. we need to give her something else to play with, and um, and then in a sort of you know the you know she's a really funny, interesting woman. She was like on Johnny Carson a lot. She's funny. Sure, and it she's was influenced great.
0: by this German doll.
1: Yes, the sex doll. Yeah, yeah, but it, you know, and also paper dolls actually yeah. because paper dolls. You could change their outfits to, yeah. to do different things
0: yeah the the idea of, of Oppenheimer and Barbie being fundamentally Jewish movies
1: inventors yeah inventors one yes.
0: in, 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 and yes. one is the the end of patriarchy and the world
1: <laughs> yes and
0: the yes. other is the beginning of reinterpreting femininity
1: it's a it's a very it, I mean it really is I that did actually occur to me yeah. um at some point this summer and I thought uh, I you know it it was a, I think you're maybe the first person to say it though to me uh, that I thought it but I it was like I two different
0: if, kinds of explosions
1: I wonder if anybody else is both
0: rooted in Jewish inventors
1: but she but one of the things that moved me about yeah. her um, is in in the th- because it, Barbie was the first doll. That had breasts. Yeah. That was actually a big deal. And then it was kind of scandalous and there was a feeling of like, Will mothers buy a doll with yeah. breasts? It felt sexualized in right. some way. Sure.
0: Well, the doll in general is has been a, a, a means to sexualize children.
1: Right. Well, yeah. the, but that that thing of like if there's breasts and yeah. then what is that what is that gonna do? And then in the story of Ruth Handler, um she actually she did have breast cancer yes. and she had a double mastectomy. And I thought there was something about that that felt so. If you wrote it, it would almost be too poetic, or, or sure, almost just like would, it, it's like how all these things fit together. And, and, then,
0: and then she invented a fake breast.
1: And the, I know they're put in the, yeah, the to, your bra, yeah. yeah,
0: specifically for to women, for women to regain confidence after, after breast, breast cancer. cancer.
1: Yeah, no. And I thought, I thought something about that felt so like. That we're living in these bodies that are falling apart and they just are. Yeah. And then, and that the w- the woman who created this doll that, you know, has been a hero, a villain, yeah. but particularly in, in presenting perfection, she's been presented, a, she's a villain. Um, and that the woman himself, herself who invented it was this... Utterly human, funny yeah. woman who lived in a body who was just her own, and the way Raya Perlman says like you think the ba- lady who invented Barbie looks like Barbie, yeah, nobody looks like Barbie <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. and I was just like it, it, she was so wonderful at it, and she's such a um I mean she's, she's so good she's so funny yeah. and and I also was when I talked to her about it, I was like, you're playing the creator, you're playing you know Ruth Handler, but also in a way you're playing God, yeah, but then i I was saying, I was like, well. If I met God and it was Rhea Perlman, I would be pretty happy about that. You know, she just has a quality that's um, wonderful and kind of not not so uh, sentimental. Sure. But very loving and and warm. How
0: long did you deliberate how to end that movie?
1: Oh well, I knew I knew the whole time when we were writing it. We knew the whole time once we were far enough into it, it's like she got it. She's got to end human. Like this has got to be what it is. So we knew that much of it. Um, uh, and then there, I think the original draft that we brought in Margot to, that ending was there, but the the ending in the doctor's office wasn't there yet
0: but what about the montage of oh
1: oh that part the
0: perception why why those choices
1: well that was that that was that was always written into the script as um uh you know take my hands now close your eyes now feel right that was written and then i i think i wrote then we have a an amazing montage of life that's like um Days of Ham- Heaven, yeah. uh, Terrence Maliki. Yeah. Uh, but it's like that. It's yeah. great. It's wonderful. And then I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do that. What we ended up doing was, I knew I wanted sort of something that was part of light, like felt like after all of this construction, sure. that it felt like connected to real life as it's right. Glitch. So you
0: had the the sort of super eight looking stuff yes. and historical <laughs> and not historical and
1: but that was all footage from people who worked on the movie. That was um I what we decided was I said to everyone I did for everyone who's in pre production and yeah. production post, I said if you have um footage, uh send it in. And so it was people's daughters and moms and aunts some old stuff in there. and yeah and grandmothers and great aunts and so and we took all of it and there's actually you know people who aren't aren't with us anymore and and it was like this combination of everything and we we had you know billy's beautiful song and, yeah and i i thought to myself even if people don't literally know that this is footage of the people who made the movie yeah. i think they kind of can feel
0: it that it was authentic.
1: It was authentic,
0: but you chose that you know those emotions that yes. she was being fed were of really the the joys and and maybe slightly bittersweet. Yeah, but there was yeah. no bottom end of darkness
1: to it. No, there wasn't a bottom end of darkness. I mean, there is. A, well, there's crying. There's right, uh, right. There's different things where you feel that there's an indication of okay. it, but it's not um, that it feels. But that there's a sort of, I think there's a sadness baked into it in the just because even,
0: of the arc of time.
1: Yeah, and right. and I think that that you can kind of absorb that in it that mm-hmm. you're going to have all of this. Um and it will also go. Oh
0: well, that's yeah, that's the basic darkness. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But you chose not to use like, you know, Vietnam footage and, <laughs> and well, like, you know, a piece of Oppenheimer, way- like the atomic bomb blast. And-
1: well I think in a way that's <laughs> that's was sort of saying for people making it the people who made the movie made it um because it, it was was sort of that was the thing that made it um, you know, I, I find uh, limitations very helpful and parameters yeah, sure. very helpful. Yeah. And it's like, well, these are the human beings who made this movie. That's great. What has life looked like for them? Mm. What are the people they loved? Yeah. Like uh, that felt like a good. You know, it, it, it's so hard to say. Like, what is life of writ, writ yeah, yeah. large? Right, right, right. But I was like, well, but these are the human beings who actually made this one. And yeah. why don't we put the people yeah, that, they I, love. Yeah, because yeah,
0: yeah. I I felt it because there's those moments where you're like, is this real? It's real. Looks like real footage. What? You know? So that's the explanation. Yeah, that's yeah. the
1: explanation.
0: As opposed to doing what you know, what uh, what what Charlie Kaufman did in an adaptation, where he's. Do you remember like oh, from the yeah. beginning of life? Oh no, I mean I love that.
1: Well, I mean I love that. I mean yeah, I love that movie yeah, so much. Yeah. I haven't seen it in so long, but I I actually thought about adaptation a lot during um, making Little Women because. Adaptation does that amazing hat trick where all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're in the Brothers movie. Like, yeah, you yeah. kind of realize you're in the other thing. Yeah, And i always thought with Little Women because of, you know, there's like the two timelines. But then I thought at some point it's like suddenly you're like, you're in the fiction. Yeah. Oh, wait. That's great. Now where are we? Right. Um, but, I, I mean, he pulled it off so beautifully where yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you're like in in the twins thing, yeah, and yeah. and it's uh, it's so I I want to watch that again. I haven't seen it in a while. I actually got to see Nicolas Cage uh, last night in San Francisco the night before yeah. he won an award. Uh, it was amazing.
0: Yeah, I love him. I just watched the new one.
1: Oh, so the, great! Did you see it? I you, haven't the, seen the that. One. No, I haven't seen it yet. I was a big
0: fan of Pig and the unbearable yes. weight of massive talent. I he love He is I love just it. so he's so, so wonderful. Yeah, and it, you, you can figure uh, uh, figure out a way to wedge Tracy Letts into Barbie.
1: It's a heartbreak that he's not in Barbie. He actually has told me he's... Uh, upset. <laughs> no, I saw him on my birthday, but I mean I love I mean yeah. I it does feel sort of wrong that he's not in it. Well, he's um, one of your guys. I know he's one of my guys. He will always be one of my guys. He's I was I will find something the next time. I love. Time.
0: Him. Do you think do you have a next thing in the chamber?
1: Um I have something I'm meant to be doing. Um uh, uh that I will do. Um but, but is uh, it yours or are you going to? It's I'm adapting um uh, well, I, I, you don't have a well it's a No, no, I it's uh, it's public. I'm oh. doing um I was given uh I was given Narnia um to do what I wanted, oh yeah, I think I heard yeah. that, yeah, um so that's a that's a very stressful, exciting, but scary covered, so well, yeah, yeah, and it's also <laughs> you know I do wake up in the middle of the night thinking worrying about Narnia, <laughs> worrying about Narnia, but it was interesting, actually, I told my son who has we haven't read Narnia yet to him, but um it's just in that that way that I think you know c s lewis it, it's it's amazing to me these things that are resonant without even knowing what they are. Yeah. But I said to him, um, he said he he was asking me, are you, are there other movies you're going to make after Barbie? Because he doesn't know. He's yeah. Four and a half. Right. Um, and I said, oh yes, I, I there will be other movies. And then I said, well, I'm going to make something about a place called Narnia. And he instantly his eyes got big, and he said, where is Narnia? <laughs> And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> and then, as, and then he didn't say anything about it for a while. And then he was going to bed and he said, tell me about Narnia. Stuck. And he remembered yeah. the name. And I just thought, well, that's the thing is he'll, it's that strange resonance that you don't know where it's from. But C.S. Lewis, Lewis tapped into something. Yeah, Just like. To remember a name like that, it, it's like lots of things seem to slip through as, yeah. you know. Yeah, but you know.
0: but it was like it sounds, it's totally new.
1: It's a new thing, and, and he had that kind of like lean in.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then I thought, well, that's why it's great.
0: There you go. Now you've got a starting point.
1: Yeah, Moses, yeah, my son. Yeah. Tell me about Narnia. Yeah.
0: Well, it's good to see you.
1: Nice to see you. This was How so are fun. How long you in town for? God, I leave tomorrow, but then I'm back in January. I'm giving Ryan an award in January. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think I'm giving someone else an award in yeah. January. And, uh, but it's nice. I actually think.
0: What's that, the Indie Spirits?
1: No, I'm giving him an award for Santa Barbara, okay. Santa Barbara Film Festival. Oh, okay. And then I like, um they, they do this thing when they do um the Governor's Award where they give uh-huh. out like o- uh, Oscars for careers. Oh, okay. Those are kind of amazing. Yeah. They're great because they do like, your whole career. Yeah. Like last year, last year was Peter Weir. Was oh, wow. amazing. Yeah. You were like, right. Yeah. I can't believe Peter Weir's never won an Oscar. It's crazy, right? This guy, and yeah. it's so uh, wonderful. because yeah. It's like a long. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know, all that stuff.
0: Okay. Well, uh, have fun.
1: Thank you. <laughs>
0: don't wear yourself out.
1: I try not to. I'm just going to keep burping. burping. <laughs> okay. It's horrible. I'll see you soon. See you soon. <laughs> see you soon. <laughs>
0: There you go. I, what a great conversation. Um, Barbie is streaming on Max. Also, you can listen to Greta's earlier WTF episode in your free podcast feed. It's episode 869. Uh, hang out for a minute, people. Okay, folks, we're doing a new series on the full Marin. It's called WTF Origins, and we're talking about some of the stops I made on the road to creating this podcast. This week, I talked about my memories of Luna Lounge and the New York alt-comedy scene of the 90s. There was a lot of these acts that were in the the orbit of Luna that were not at all stand-up comedy club people. Mm. But then on the other side of that, you had me and Jeff Ross and, you know, Louie and Silverman and Janine, Zach, uh, you know, the full Colin Quinn, eventually, eventually people made their way because Singer made it appealing. You know, at the beginning, comics like Colin and Patrice and stuff were like, you know, were you guys just doing comedy for nothing? You know, they made it seem like it was amateur hour. It was an open mic. And I always treated it as a place to work out. Right In a right, way right. that I could not work out in the comedy clubs. And I think eventually that became sort of a thing. I think, I don't know why, I don't know if Colin was adverse to it at the beginning, but he ended up coming around. And then like the state guys, I think arguably Stella probably started at Luna Lounge. Mm. Like it, it was, it, and some of them were doing solo up. Some of the, you know, UCB people were doing solo performances. So it became this huge scene And it was sort of the the center of a comedy thing between performance art, sketch, and stand-up that actually got a hip kind of following to it. It was like, you'd go there on Mondays, there was a line out the door and I was just this cranky fuck. And I hated everybody that was coming in for some reason. And I'd get up there and do my little thing. And, but I was like, you know, why are all these people here? And I remember Will Ferrell came down, celebrities would start coming down and uh, it became a thing. To get all full marin bonus episodes subscribe by going to the link in the episode description or go to wtfpod.com and click on wtf plus. Man, I am sh- I'm recording this at 8 in the morning and it's like my brain is on fire. It's like fucking morning radio. This is this is the zone, man. This is the zone. Get up and go. I hope you're listening to this first thing cuz I recorded it first thing yesterday. All right, here's some guitar. on to cat angels everywhere.